Hey everyone, this is me, Todd Nicewanger, again. I am the, uh, the little shepherd here at Cornerstone Community Church, and we are here today to work through what we're calling Just Beyond Sunday. Um, today again, I've got with me the Grand Master mm. of, of all of EBC, mm. the Honorable, the Venerable, uh, Spencer McCush, also who still is a member of Cornerstone. also still a member of Cornerstone, <laughs> which we're thankful about. And then also joining us today, we're super excited about is Christian Burkhart, also another one of the pastors and elders with me uh, here here at Cornerstone. And uh, we're working through just this idea of what does it look like to bring these big biblical truths, these biblical ideals, to bear because we do want to base our lives in and around the truth of God's word, but we're also firmly believing that the best way to work those ideals into reality is not necessarily through these concepts or discussions, but actually inside of the life of the local church. And so you're kind of getting invited into three guys who are not only guys that are trying to figure out how to shepherd people, but also friends just within Cornerstone. And so that's kind of what we're doing. So anyways, here's the guys. They're here with us right now. Yep. Thank you, sir. So here's what we've been doing. Uh, last week, we kind of started a series on, on the mind, specifically just how do we think through the, the world in which we live in right now. We've all kind of had different dynamics of the last couple of years. In fact, I don't know if you guys knew this, but today was the official end of the second year of the pandemic. Mm. I just learned that. Today is actually the day. I, was, I, was, I don't read the news very often, but I caught that today. Like the first like recorded case of it, or what do you I mean? I think something like that. They okay. just said this was like the beginning of the pandemic. Today's the official considered the first day of the pandemic, and we're not two years into it. Which, when I thought, gosh, we're starting the third year. That's that's actually pretty crazy for yeah. me to, to kind of think that through. But what we're what we're really trying to do, and what we're trying to get at the end of it, is to help all of us that, regardless of the circumstances we walk through, what it is that God asks us to do. How do we think rightly um, in this world through um, whatever comes our way? And so we're, one of the main things we went to last week was Romans 12, 1 and 2, and this idea of not only God's will, but what it means to have these minds renewed so that we might truly know how to interface, to interact with and engage in our world. You've got this concerned look on your face that I really want you to get Well, I think we were talking, I mean, just to, to reset, I think it was also... What does it mean to not conform to the pattern of the world? Definitely. And also, what does it look like to actually offer up a, a spiritual sacrifice, mm -hmm. right? It's not just parts of our lives, yeah. but it's the entirety of it. So, Being the means by which that mind can be mm -hmm. truly, truly renewed. And so we're really focusing a lot on the mind. Yeah. And um, and so that's that's what we're kind of working through on a series. Uh, and now we're going to kind of, we're going to unleash Christian a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, we're going to, one of the things we talked about as, as I was preaching anyways last week was this idea of the importance of the story of God. Like that is the thing that informs, that frames, that helps us to to understand and, and walk through whatever and that we're, we're being asked to walk through. But today we're going to kind of take a look at how that story comes to bear. I think specifically, and I'm excited to hear from you, Christian, mm -hmm. like especially the beginning of the story and, and, and God's intent. But maybe if you could get us to get the ball rolling a little bit, just to kind of pull us in. Why is it so important for us as we're thinking through the mind, as we're thinking through how are we're supposed to, to rightly interact with the world in which we're called to live, to rightly interact with God in this world, why is Genesis 1 and 2 so stinking important to this conversation and what, and what, we're, what we're doing today? Yeah, I mean, I would say first, it's because it's first. It's it's what comes up first. And in, in, in any story, the beginning of the story, 
there's so many important elements that come into it. You find out who your main characters are. You find out where this story is taking place. And even especially like, like you find out what there, there's this glimpse of the way that things were intended to be. There's a, mm. this idyllic kind of picture of this is the way things ought to be. And then something goes wrong. Something gets twisted. Right. Um, and I think that's a part of like a, a, something that all of us as humans understand is there's something that's not right. There's something that is off, off kilter. But the place where we really diverge is not just in identifying the problem or even what it means to, to, to fix the problem, but especially what, what, how do we envision what things were like before that problem came in? And I think that those are, those are such important places to start because when we talk about something being made right, right in terms of what, right? According to like what intention and whose intention was at the beginning of it. So I think that that's what um, makes it so huge. I think um, uh, I'm blanking on the guy's name who said it, but someone said, in order to answer the question, what must I do? I must first ask the question, what story am I a part of? Mm-hmm. In order to know the way that I ought to live rightly, or even like our sermon series right now, thinking rightly within a broken world, Rightly in terms of what? What was it intended to be like? How did we get off track and how can we be made? Yeah, like what's the standard of our right thinking? Yeah. Yeah. What yeah. That's good. That's great. So let's let's do this. Kind of in light of that, because I mean, I'll tell you what, I'm ready to talk. Let's kind of now lay out maybe in a little bit of a way, help us to grasp kind of what is the ideal of Genesis one and two in what we're doing. Okay. So all right, that was that that was helpful, like in what the way that you framed that out. So Okay, here's what I want to do then, because this is always what we try to do in this next section, is to talk through the ideal of it. Okay, yeah. so maybe if what you could do kind of in the next five minutes or so, really help us understand why then in Genesis 1 and 2, kind of laying out some realities to help us kind of maybe put our yeah. our hands around to really understand this. So why don't you unpack that for a little bit and so that we can push back on you and have some conversation about what we're talking about. So yeah, just take five minutes or so, really, really frame that for us if you could. Totally. I'd, yeah, well, I'd love to do that. Um, I think that to me, this train of thought for me started even as we were talking about this series and starting kind of camping out in Romans 12, 1 and 2. That phrase when Paul says that we can be transformed by the renewal of our minds. Um, what does it mean for our minds to be renewed? Again, that's like a, a word like renewal to me makes me think, okay, I'm, I'm being clued into a story, right? And especially like the solution part of a story, yeah. how, how things can be made new, but always renewed in light of what? Yeah, yeah there's, well, a, there's a precursor, there's something that there's happened something before. Something that comes back to. Yeah, it's yeah. calling it back, yeah. And I think that's what's so fun because I, I think that one of the things that uh, intrigues me so much about Genesis 1 and 2 is really how limited they are, really how, how few details that were given. <laughs> um, and that's the ideal I mean, but that's one of the things I think is so compelling about the biblical story is that even um, like all of these little themes that are present there in those first two chapters of scripture um, are developed. It's like these little seeds that continue to grow and get bigger and bigger. And I think that's one of the things like when we look at the biblical story and we talk about something being renewed like our minds, we're asking kind of two questions. Not only what does it look, what was it intended to be like in the beginning, but also I guess... What was it intended to become? Where was that story supposed to lead? Where was that that trail heading before it it took a turn for the worse? You know, and so I think that like it's it's the those those questions of also development of how how was it how is God going to flesh this out even bigger? So you know? so when you said like there's 
there's like little seeds that you see in the beginning. What would you say that some of those seeds are in Genesis one and two that, that maybe point towards God's intent? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, um, especially like if we're talking about the mind, that idea of the renewal of our mind, of how our minds were originally created to function. It seems to me that everything that's laid out of what, even what you talked about last week, Todd, of like this mind, not being like a physical part of our body, but it, it being this, this way in which we engage with God that use the word interface, right? Mm -hmm. Like this, the, the way that we, we interface with God and with the world around us and the pliability of how, how much it, um, how much potential there is for growth, for learning, for, for change in our minds. And then you see the way that God lays things out with the man and the woman in the garden, especially like in Genesis two. Um, and it just seems like there's this, this trail of bread comes, if you will. There's this sense of, okay, I'm going to give you this initial thing. I, I'm creating this garden, making the man out of the dust of the earth, breathing into his nostrils, and then boom, here you are. Here's the garden. Work it. And that's the point where I go, okay, but how? <laughs> how do I work it, right? Like the, I was thinking about this thing where it's like, what would it have been like the first time that maybe God tells Adam, hey, you know, like you saw the way that cow ate that grass over there? Cool. Awesome. Okay. Did you see what came out the other side of the cow? Okay. Now I'm telling you, pick that up and spread that around on the base of these other tre <laughs> other trees and plants in the garden. With my wait, hands? Wait, you want me to do what? <laughs> we, oh, yeah. Like the, just the, those little mysteries, those little like things to un unlock in the potential of God's world that like, oh, this is the way that I do this. And it just seems to me that again, that the pliability, the, the flexibility of the minds that God has given us was meant to be this thing of saying, okay, come walk with me. I'm going to, I'm going to give you some initial points to understand. And as you put those into practice, I'll give you more and I'll give you more. And basically like out of the, the, the limitlessness of God's understanding of things and all of the, the potential that he built into his creation, it was, okay, now you, Adam, made in my image, much smaller, much more limited than I am. Let me take you on a journey. Let me, let me walk you with me. So I guess at least initially that, that seed is that I see like in Genesis one and two is that this mind, this interface that God's given us is meant to work out in relationship with him. It is meant to be a guided learning experience, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. So maybe that would be one of those initial ones. Yeah. That's a fascinating thing to think through when, when you go, so if I'm understanding you right, you would say that not just the mind, but how the mind operates and how we know things then would you say it is is dependent upon God then? Is that kind of, if, I mean, I think that's the language we've used previously, but you go, is it, how much of our knowledge is dependent upon God? Because you just said it was intended that we walk with him. Yeah, yeah. So would you say like, then it's, I don't know, I'm, I'm yeah. just trying to make sure I'm, I'm, I'm with you on this one. No, absolutely. I think dependent upon God is the, the first thinker, any thought we have, he's had before us in that way, you know, like, and, and leading us along the way. But I don't know. There's something about that word dependent that I think, again, we, we can talk about like when we file our taxes, how many dependents do you list? Like, okay, the people that don't bring income into the family, they just <laughs> take the outcome, right? Like, yeah. And, and so there's a place where it's it, it's it's a dependent, but, but also a partnership. It's the sense of, okay, I'm going to lead you along and give you the information that you need. I'm going to continue to reveal more of this. Okay. But yet I'm also calling you out of the, the mind that I've given you, the body that I've given you, the, the potential of it, develop this with me, yeah. right? Like this yeah, really yeah. cool partnership of not just, I'll dictate to you what you need to, like, here's the script, just read from it. Yeah. But also this sense of let's develop this together. There's really an know? exploration to it. Definitely. Yeah, Where yeah. there's like all these things that God has put into creation 
he invites Adam to come along with him. And it's not as if God doesn't know. He knows. Yeah. But now that development of Adam as he dives into what God's world and begins to unpack it. Yeah. But it's still meant to kind of Spencer's point. It's meant to be in conjunction alongside of not separate from God and yeah. how he's explained. Well, super, super helpful to use the word what God reveals to him. Yeah. Like that, that's super helpful for me and going, oh, okay. So it's, it's what God is revealing to Adam. It's not like Adam goes, okay, I, you know, yeah, like you said, it's a dependent in the sense of like the tax return, yeah. tax return, but it's, it's going, okay, it's what God has revealed. Mm-hmm. That's super helpful. Yeah. And even I, I would, I think the second question then is out of God's revelation how how do you you said it kind of the it got developed right yeah. so okay there he is the till the ground then yeah. all of a sudden right he brings the animals along yeah and he he gives them a command to yeah. all right name them yeah yeah which is a fast like we were talking about in sermon prep yeah. where it's like oh my gosh like the way God invites him into it right yes. and God doesn't name the animals even though he created them but he says you name them until finally like the beautiful aspect of when it comes to where he feels incomplete mm, yeah and he knows he's incomplete even though god didn't tell him he's incomplete well i think that's the the genius in that section of genesis too like the fact that that, that little vignette of the you know the parade of the animals and stuff like that it starts with god himself declaring it's not good for the man to be alone. I'm going to make him a helper fit for him. What does alone mean? Right? And <laughs> right. then how does that happen? Like, and whether yeah. that is, that is like, like, like we're, we're given through the narration of the text, what God himself is saying, whether he says that to Adam or not, we don't know. But what we do see is the way that, that thing that God absolutely is aware of, that it's not good for the man to be alone. How does he make Adam aware of it? And it's not just through a propositional statement of, it's not good for you to be alone. It's this all right, Adam, sit here, watch this. Watch just the, the amazingness of my creativity at it, on display in these animals that I've made. And not only that, join me with your creativity. Just like, you, like we read in Genesis 1 of God creates things and then he names them. He creates the animals and he looks at Adam and he goes, what do you want to call it, right? Mm-hmm. Like you name them, whatever Adam calls it. Like he's calling them again into this, this sense of partnership, of, of even originating, right? God made the animals. where the names come from? They came from Adam. There's this really cool partnership there, right? But like the whole point as he goes along is that, you, I mean, you have to imagine, and I'll probably, I'm, I'm saying this now and I'll probably say it in some form on Sunday as well, but like, like Adam sees these complementary pairs. He sees with each of these animals as they go, go by, there are these ones that like they are, they're, they're the same, yet in a very significant way, they're different. There's these complementary male and female, right? And somewhere along the line, it's like, hey, there's not one of those for me. Mm-hmm. And, and it's like in, in, in the text, it says, there was not found among those animals a helper that was suitable for Adam. Adam is going, oh, I see now. How does God help him see what God already knows at the beginning of it? Mm-hmm. He takes them on this really cool guided learning experience, explore, yeah. develop, create with me. Oh, and at the end of it, yeah, there's not one for me. I don't have that one who is both the same and yet different from me. And so God says, okay, let's go take a nap. <laughs> let's see on the, on the back side of this, right? Yeah. But I love, I mean, that to me is just such a cool picture of, of that ideal sense of God communicating to him, here's what I made you for, here's what I made you to do. And yet also these other things, the, the, the further revelation, the things that I know that you don't know yet, here's the way that I'm going to guide you through that. And the way that God both teaches Adam of his need for that helper fit for him, and then in that dependent way that you're talking about, Spencer, right. provides for that need. Here's that woman that you yeah. couldn't make for yourself. No, that's, right? that's actually a super helpful way 
for me to understand that idea of dependence, especially like in the idealism of the beginning, right? Yeah. Got, what was God's intention in the beginning? And it was, that's a beautiful, uh, what'd you call it? The parade of like the animals yeah. of, going, of going, oh, Adam learned those things. His mind was engaged, but it was and, and what God revealed to him. That helps me understand that mm -hmm. idea of dependence. And it was very Socratic. Like, I don't know what that of, means. Yeah. Well, you know, like from that standpoint of you're going to learn, I'm, I'm going to lead you along, but ultimately you're going to do the learning. Like yeah. this is going to be a way, like in that relationship, you know what it means, you liar. <laughs> I'm going to play the stupid guy. <laughs> but it's just, it's so beautiful the way that like he models the like the acquiring of knowledge in a beautiful way where it's like in, in, in partnership, your word with him, right? Yeah. Going, man, Adam, I can't wait for you to discover my world. Yeah. And I think sometimes we forget that like this idea of not only knowledge, but then rightly thinking through something, God enjoys doing it oh with his gosh. with his chief creation humanity, yeah. right? It was it had to have been a joy for him to suddenly have the eureka moment where it's like, hey, you know, I'm I don't have my opposite pair here. And God goes, aha. Yeah. So you said you said there were a couple of different like of those seeds that you saw at the beginning that were worked through. Yeah. We just kind of what I would say is kind of started touching on this idea of dependence through revelation and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. What else do you see there? Or do you see anything else? Um that was intended in like in the beginning, if that makes sense. Yeah. I think I mean the when we talk about sometimes the limitation of it, like there there's there's details that are given, but not not more details. And I think that, again, there's that part of us where it's like, okay, had I been there, what I would have asked God, well, what about that one? What about that one? What about, especially like, like, why this one tree? Why is this one here? Like, why, like, why would you put that tree here if I'm not supposed to eat it? I want to ask those questions. Mm -hmm. And I think we all want to ask those questions. And yet it seems that the intention from the beginning is this is what I've given you to, to work off of this information. Will you trust me? Now there's going to be more. We're going to continue to talk, but I think that even in that way, like the, there's a there's an original intention of patience on our part as the learners. Um, to to it won't always come at the pace that we would like it. Um, and I think in some ways, I don't know. I'm jumping ahead a little bit now, but I think those are one. Of, that's one of those things that, um, as humans, we've done a lot to eliminate patience in our learning. I can get as much information as I want when I want it. And there just seems to be a, a patient process in the beginning of, um, I, we're not intended to drink from the fire hose. Right. Patience, self-control. Self-control. And, and knowledge. And in a trust of God that like yeah. his, his intentions are good. And if he hasn't let us know something yet, he has good reason for that. Right. And we can trust him both with what he's revealed and what he hasn't revealed yet. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I've, no, I think that's 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 actually really really helpful for me because I think up until this point I would always agree with you and say that our knowledge in the beginning, like God's intent was that our knowledge would be limited, uh -huh. but I've probably probably slotted that limitation around like good and evil, okay. and I've never actually thought through the fact. No, no, but there's also a limit as far as the amount of knowledge, mm -hmm. even if it was good, yeah, yeah. even like, good things, yeah, even the good things. God still didn't expose everything, yeah, you know, and so I, that's helpful for me to actually wrestle through a little bit because I've always kind of gone. Well, we were limited because we didn't know what was evil. Because mm. in the beginning, you know, pre-Genesis 3, like man didn't know evil, right? And yeah. so so our knowledge was limited that way. But it's actually really good to go, no, no, even in the good stuff, God still limited, you know, what, what Adam and Eve knew. Yeah, you can only, in the way that I've created you, I created you from dependence 
to process information at a certain rate and you yes. can't exceed that rate. Right. Which I think is like super helpful the way you're laying it out because especially when we get into it practically here in this <laughs> next section, I mean, we have information coming at us at a rate right now that is, yeah. talk about his humans can't handle it. But I think that's like so helpful the way you just put mm. that, especially as we get, we think through how to think rightly in a, in a, in a world that's broken. That's huge. Mm, and so, cool, man. yeah. Well, okay. So there's kind of the, the gist of it. There's the, the ideal of, of Genesis one and two. And what I want to do next is I want to take that now. And especially for us as a, as a local church, it's just cornerstone church. What does this look like to like land it into our reality? And yeah. so that's what, that's what we'll, we'll do next. Okay. So let's, let's, let's land this out there. Mm. Um, I think there were some, there were probably two intriguing ones. <laughs> well, no, I just, I'm fascinated with going, okay, we laid out an ideal, but my goodness, this is crazy hard. Oh, well, I mean, <laughs> but like, that's why I'm like trying to land this. This is where it's going to be an interesting part of this conversation, because I think there's, there's two concepts that have really come to me that were huge from what you said. One is, is the way God's designed this, us to, to be in partnership, obviously your word dependent, Spencer, yeah. but also... To be to do this engaged with him, yeah. But then also this gracious act of God, where He says there is a limit to the information to which even in 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 new in creation mm -hmm. before the fall, yeah. You know, there's there's still you can't handle the truth moment within that where there's still a limited concept to that. And so, I, I want to uh, maybe we'll we'll start with this idea of of not doing it alone, yeah. Like, to kind of figure that out. So maybe in, if you can just start us. So what does that mean we're not intended to do this alone? Like, let's try to work that way down into what are the implications you see that we're not intended to process information, to acquire information, to interface with our world, the mind, um, alone? Like, what, how, what does that look like for you and I right now? What, is that, what does that mean? I'm sorry, I forgot the question. Yeah, it's because I asked the question from multiple angles. I know, I was like, which one? <laughs> no, just from this idea, like the thing I'm saying is, okay, so great. What, is that, what does that look like then to do this? Yeah. To, to, because I, I understand how it works in Genesis 1. Mm -hmm. um, Genesis 1, there's God. He's walking in the garden with Adam. Eve hasn't even showed up yet when we're yeah. kind of at this point. What does this look like in our world today? Um, in a, in a, maybe yeah, what is it? Or maybe what, maybe make it a little more simplified. What does it look like to be dependent at Cornerstone Church mm -hmm. in partnership 2021 yeah like what does it look like to be dependent upon the Lord and how we know things or how we how our mind operates here yeah oh I, th I mean at least initially the, the the emphasis you made last week on knowing God's story so that we can live God's story I mean the reality is we have much more that God has communicated to us than what Adam had in Genesis 2 right and so I think there is just that sense of attending to what, like paying attention to what God has given us. Um, I think that that's a, that's a huge part of it is do we, do we slow down to know how much more these seeds have developed or like the, how much more he has communicated? Um, because that's where I found, at least in my own life, not that I'm at the end of this journey at all, but every question, every situation I come up in life, if I learn that habit, say, well, hold on, like, let me not just do like a like a Google word search on where this idea comes up in scripture, but let me try to understand this question, this topic, in light of God's story. There's 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 always more layers of the onion to peel peel back. So I guess in some ways it's like, 
even as we talk about the limitations that God's placed on what he has, let us know. Last week you talked about that Deuteronomy 29, 29 idea that the secret things belong to the Lord, but the things that are revealed belong to us and our children so that we might walk in obedience to God. Like there is so much that God has revealed to us in, in his word. Um, there is so much that God has revealed to us in his world mm-hmm. that I think that like it's limited, but it's not that limited. There's a lot that we can explore. So I think at, f- at first I would say, you know, when I think about my church family, when I think about people here at Cornerstone, if we found ourselves in a place where we kind of get the yeah, buts, yeah, yeah, I know the Bible, but what, I want to know about this. No, no, stop. There, I, I, would, I would venture to guess there is much more information that God has given us in his word about this or that XYZ topic than what we might be aware of right now. So to have that kind of explorer spirit of there's rocks I haven't turned over yet. Be lifelong learners, you know? Yeah. Maybe maybe you guys could speak to this one because I, I don't know, as you were talking just now, I, I was thinking about what we talked about last week, what Christian, what you just laid out and going, okay, so in Romans 12, mm-hmm. it says don't be conformed any longer to the pattern of the world. What if what does it look like to conform to the pattern of the world in regards to those two seeds that you laid mm-hmm. out? Because I think that maybe gets to some of the difficulty. And I don't know, you guys thought about that at all? Of going, like, if we're supposed to know in a in a way that's dependent upon God's revelation, and that was God's intent in the beginning, well, what's the pattern of the world and how do we conform to it? Yeah, well, I think some of you are going to answer next week and you, what you're going to talk Stay about, tuned. right? Oh, did I just it's set the table a, for what I'm talking totally about? I think you just a self-serving plug to what you're going to talk about. Maybe. Oh, excuse me, ladies and gentlemen, while I, while I lay out what is going to be great about what I talk about the next week. But now to be uh, serious and, and be less self-serving towards you. I mean, I guess I would just jump on that just because, again, again, for teasing what you're going to do next week, like the fact that the serpent comes into that garden however long it was from the creation of Eve, this like perfect partner to now walk in relationship with God together with Adam. Like what he comes in is he fundamentally turns out on his head. He says, no, like the limitations God's placed on you are not good. As a matter of fact, here's a shortcut. And, and our human tendency, our desire for shortcuts, is there a cliff notes version of this thing? Like, I think to recognize like the, like, like the, the, the truly like godless impatience that often drives us yeah. in our learning endeavors to say it's, it's Veruca Salt in the Willy Wonka movie saying, I want the world and I want it right now and give it to me now. The, hmm. the spoiledness sometimes of the of our pace in that way. And to recognize, like hear the serpent's voice in that and have the sense of, okay, Lord, I, I want to truly know. I want to think rightly and and. I would say 9.9 times out of 10, that's going to mean often moving slower than you want to. And even the, like I was thinking about as you were talking, from a conforming to the pattern of this world, it has to do with even the the rearranging of God's revelation, Mm -hmm. right? Where God's also withholding information from you. Like that seems to be huge in there. Oh, like, yeah. like God is withholding something from you, which then is the, right. It's the first time ever Romans 12, two lands into the world yeah. where there used to only be this, this transformation by the renewing of the mind that was going on. And suddenly for the first time the serpent comes along. And so it's not just that information you're talking about, but yeah. it's that God is not, he's withholding something from you. Yes. There's, which you're going to get into huge on evil, right? Like, right. Little did they know that what he's withholding from you, even though the serpent says it is evil, mm-hmm. is that we weren't intended for 
that evil. That mm-hmm. was not right. God's intent in that. Right. And yet this seems to be what Paul's wrestling through in Romans 12 too, is mm-hmm. this way in which what you talked about, the way that we, 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 we pursue after unlimited information, the way in which we somehow think that there's information that God's withholding from us that we, that we need to know when we we're don't. Entitled to. That we're entitled to yeah. that information. It, it, there's, and I still think we battle it today. Oh, yeah. right? I mean, even like I was talking with somebody the other day, and he even said to me, he goes, I just feel like we have the right to know that. Well, <laughs> I've never assumed that posture, yeah. assuming yeah. I have the right to know but, right? I mean, but when first when he said it, I kind of thought that, yeah, we do. But yeah. then I thought, well, no, we don't. Like, we have the right, like off of a Deuteronomy 29, 29, what I've revealed to you, that's what you need to know. Mm, yeah. Not, more. yeah, I think you guys are doing a good job touching on like how we see the limits of our knowledge mm-hmm. conforming to the pattern of the, of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and certainly we're going to talk more about it, some yeah. guy. Allegedly, he's talking about it later. But I, I do want to make sure we also touch on how do you guys see that dependence side of things, whether it's on God's what God has revealed or that. How do you see that playing out in conforming to the pattern of the world? Because I, I was fascinated by what you were sharing, Christian, but mm. but I want to tease yeah. that out like practically at Cornerstone. Yeah, I want to set you up real quick. Like okay. I think like one of the things is autonomy. Yeah. The other thing that I was thinking about, autonomy, like autonomy me, me alone, I've got the idea, I can do this on my own, I okay. can, right, where I think to actually be dependent upon God and journey with him, because part of what he was showing Adam was you need a partner. Yeah. And I think the big thing, we're, we'll, we'll continue to only get into what you're talking about, but yeah. as we move along in this series, we were also not intended to do this alone, me on the mountain, trying to figure it out. We were meant to have relationships, and that's where I'd love to. Yeah. I'd love to have you kind of explore that out a little bit more because there's like there's the relationship that you talked about with God yeah. and exploring these things with Him. But maybe could you take that maybe a little bit further in the relationships now we share as His people in in this process of now kind of of, of gaining information. Yeah, yeah. No, I'd be happy to because again, that's that like when we. If, the whole concept of good and evil and the way that that plays in it, you're gonna have a lot of fun with that next week. I know. <laughs> totally. But like, like the, <laughs> yeah, enjoy the, yourself. Yeah, but the like the that that statement again that God makes in Genesis two that it's not good for the man to be alone. We're talking in that ideal state before sin and rebellion and death has come into the picture, and the whole reason for the parade of animals and all of that is because there is a need that Adam has that God's going to meet, and it's not just a need for food or clothing or a job. It's the need for community. It's the need for relationship, not just it's, the need for a spouse. Yeah, exactly. Not, just, not yeah. just marriage, right? But like, no, you need another one made in the image of God like you, shares the same mission and calling to rule over the God's creation in a, in a, in a conducive, healthy way. And you guys are meant to go on this adventure together, to learn this together. So we're, yeah, I love that. So not only we we're limited in our information, but even we're not designed to be the expert of everything. No, not like at all. There, there's intended to be a. It's a group project, and how you work this along. Which yeah, that's with other image bearers. With other image bearers, yeah, yeah. like to, in other words, I don't go subdue the earth alone. Like no, this is actually with other image bearers because don't try to be fruitful and multiply alone. That's weird. <laughs> but like you know, we're supposed to do this in 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 partnership, which I think that's what's so intriguing even about we're not just it's not just a limit of information but an intent that it really is a group a group endeavor to absolutely do that. and the again these are those when you talk about the way that these patterns these themes keep coming up 
this is absolutely Jesus's intention in those two great commandments. What's the greatest commandment? Well, love the Lord your God. Yep, every head in the room is nodding on that one. Absolutely. And then he says, but the second's like it. Like, love your neighbor as yourself. From the beginning, this is what, it was, is what it was. These people made in God's image, living in relationship with each other, in relationship with God, receiving wisdom from him, him continuing to crack the door open wider on the potential and the mystery of this world that he made and saying, come walk with me. Let's do this together. So, so let me just take what you guys are saying and drop it down to like practical level, like mm-hmm. in the world I live in. If we're supposed, one of the ways that we are dependent upon God, certainly by dependent upon what he's revealed to us, but we're also not supposed to do it alone. Mm -hmm. We need to be interdependent on other image bearers. One of the things that I've seen, I know in my own life, and and I've seen it in others, if, if I were to be judgmental, which... Which I am often, if actually. That, if you I were mean, that person. <laughs> Maybe I'm prone that way. Yeah, a judgmental um, person might say. The role of like a subject matter expert. And all of a sudden, I know I'm prone to think that I know everything or I have access to information and I can be the discerner of truth instead of looking at someone who probably has put a lot more time, effort, energy into studying something and trusting that they, as an image bearer of God, might actually know things beyond me. And actually, one of the ways that I actually can know things properly is by humbling myself to the point of going, oh, I'm going to trust another image bearer. Do you you guys see that as a way of practically working this out? I think at the heart of it, we are by nature now after the fall, untrusting. Right. Right. I can't trust you. I need to go watch a, a one hour video to become an expert on YouTube. Right. One I mean, hour, it's like five minutes. I read the headline. Yeah, five minute video on, on you whatever. Read the headline. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, right. Absolutely. I've got enough information now. But that, like, there's so, I mean, you just uncorked a ton of issues underneath who we are as, pe- as people, where to actually trust God that he, he has actually created a world in which other people are going to know more than me that mm-hmm. can help in how I'm working myself through the world, right? Because I think ultimately when we don't trust them, we I don't think we actually, we're saying we actually don't trust God. No, because we actually are, we are putting all the burden of knowledge on ourselves. Yeah. I'm the arbiter of truth. And, and that's I, not God's intent. No. Which, which I think what Christian was laying out so well, no, I've intended you to be this way. And in a weird way, when we think like you're talking about, we actually don't. It seems like, I mean, would that be fair, what, you have, what, you're, what you've wrestled through? Yeah, no, I, I think that they're like, sometimes the, that connection between wisdom and humility, it's like the more that we actually do begin to grow in our knowledge and understanding of things, and not just not in, like acquiring information, but like growing in that true wisdom, the ability to put it into practice, like it has to produce... We're in hot water if it doesn't produce humility in us mm-hmm. because like just I think uh, when you look at even just how specialized our culture has become where everybody's got to like grab a smaller and smaller slice of the pie and go deep on it. There's even just something there like on, on any field of study you can get done like you never reach the bottom of it. Right. So there's there's. There's something so amazing about that of the the omniscience of God to build such complexity into this mm-hmm. world that like not only will we not understand the breadth of, of truth that there is in this world, but on any particular issue, like you can't even get down to like the, you, you can't reach the bottom of it. Yeah, the longer I study something, 
I actually learn what I don't know. Exactly. <clears throat> and it's myriad. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's what's so crazy about it is that to think somehow that I've mastered a concept is is absolutely crazy. But then to work outside of it, to think I have to master multiple concepts mm -hmm. in order to live this life. Oh, my gosh. That is like depressing to me. But, but I think that, again, like the place where that kind of like humility and wisdom comes together is like in any endeavor that I'm digging into, again, whether you're a science major or you're studying like deep sea creatures or you're getting into crazy math, as soon as they put letters in math, that's when it lost me. But I just trust that there's people who get it when when that kind of stuff comes together. But it's like, like on all this, there is, and I hope, a developing within me and I want it to continue to develop almost this sense of... David says in Psalm 139, Lord, where can, where can I go to flee from mm -hmm. your spirit? I can go to the heights of the heavens. I can go to the bottom of the sea. You're already there. Like, we're never going to get into a situation that God's going, huh, I never thought about that yeah. before. And I think that, again, I see that call of God saying, trust me. Yeah. And I know all of this. You don't. Like, trust the people that I put around you. But also just that sense of the more that you encounter the endless questions that are there in any field of study... To, to have that that relationship with a, your creator God, your father in heaven, to go, Lord, I, I'm so glad you hold all this together because mm -hmm. I can't hold any of it together. And those are the times when I move from the angst of I've got to know it all to that sense of, Lord, I'm so glad that I know yeah. that you do, right? Just a sense of worship. Yeah. Truly like awe, wonder. And, and, and a sense <clears throat> of, I can take a deep breath. I can relax my shoulders a little bit because... And, and then the, the question in my head turns to, okay, Lord, out of everything that you do know, what do you, what are you calling me to do? What out of everything am I actually called to join you in? Because I think that's the other part of it. Like in our quest for sometimes limitless knowledge or, or every clickbait article that just takes us down the rabbit hole, we accumulate. So I was reading something recently. A guy said that the average person right now reads about a novel's length of words a day. And yet sometimes it's the hardest thing to get people to read a book, right? Or even just read. But it's all headlines. But it's disconnected all, yeah. information. <laughs> it's all over the dang place, right? And it's and we're we're amassing more information than ever before and doing with it less than ever before. So back to Spencer's point real yeah. quickly, just kind of draw this to a conclusion. So I think what you're saying is is to to not fall into the pattern of this age really has a lot to do with now us going, look, to endeavor to know everything to understand everything, to absorb everything, that actually that is the pattern of this age, the pattern that is opposite, that transforms us, that's actually now re the renewal of the mind. Yeah, going back to God's intent God's in the beginning. God's intent is to realize it's okay, it's limited. It's it's to, met, to be done in conjunction with him and his people that, that really that is what we mean by the renewal of the mind. And and when you do that with the right posture, it doesn't lead to an anti-intellectual, I know enough already. It actually fuels us as learners, but to be dependent learners. Once okay, Lord, I want you to guide me through this. I don't want to choose your own adventure my way through this thing. Like, I, I feel like we, we use it as the VBS memory verse for the kids this year, and I feel like I keep coming back to it in my own life from, from Proverbs 3, 5 through 8. But I want to trust you with all my heart and not depend upon my own understanding. In all my ways, I want to acknowledge you, look to you, and ask you to direct my paths. I don't want to be wise in my own eyes. Lord, would you teach me to fear you and to turn away from evil? Because that's actually going to bring healing to my flesh and refreshment to my bones. And I feel like the, the, the thing that I, this keeps coming back to in my mind is just 
this mind that God's given us has been meant to operate in a relationship of trust with him and those that he's put around us. And if there's one thing that a pattern of this world that gets in the way of that most is just the way that seeds of, of distrust are sown in every relationship in our relationship with God and our relationship with others, but very seldom in my relationship with myself. Yeah. I trust myself far too much, yeah. far too much. And the sad thing is God has saved us from ourselves. Yeah. Right? And so, yeah. Well, thanks guys so much. Thanks Christian. My pleasure, man. Yeah. Spencer, we'll look forward to you next week. Kind of, unpacking for us a little more from Genesis 3. Just causing more trouble. <laughs> and I appreciate that about yep. you a lot. Yep. But uh, yeah, thanks for being with us today. Um, thanks for just wrestling as three guys, a part of Cornerstone Church, trying to wrestle through this idea of the mind. But um, just remember, our whole heart when we come back next week is to again wrestle with a new biblical ideal. And in wrestling with that new biblical ideal, just to figure out how do we land it in the context of a local church inside of relationships, what we've been talking about. So everybody uh, have a great week and we'll look forward to talking to you later. God bless.